0: welcome to fearless with jason whitlock i am jason whitlock your host uh happy tuesday to you and yours uh happy day after monday uh we have a great show planned for you as we do every day but it's always special because i got someone i got a couple people actually here in studio with me but out here first tj mo uh, is back in studio with us here in nashville uh, looking forward to T.J. Uh, contributing throughout the, the show. Delano Squires is going to join us from uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, Maj Torre from Black Guns Matter, uh, the Second Amendment proponent. Uh, he's in Buffalo, is going to join us via Skype. And uh, Troy McSwain, Taylor to the Stars, my personal tailor. It's the reason you know I used to dress very well before my suits and everything got too big for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's here. And he's gonna help me at the end of the show with an approval rating on me and the new, the new look me, the, the guy that's growing, shrinking, growing, shrinking, growing. I put on weight last week and it wasn't because I ate bad. Uh, anyway, Troy will be here at the end of the show. Uh, but we're gonna start uh, early this afternoon. Uh, our president, President Joe Biden, uh, Let's Go Brandon, he went out to Buffalo uh and gave a short speech uh about the buffalo massacre and you know we want to spend some time today uh reacting to that that's why well that's not why tj's here but that's why tj's out here on set with me to help me uh talk about that And we'll also talk about it with delano and obviously as i told you earlier Maj is uh actually in buffalo so i'm sure we'll cover that with him as well uh but i want to give you just a a couple little tastes of our uh, unity president, Joe Biden, uh, going out to Buffalo and just bringing America together. Uh, Let's start, I think, here's the first clip, and it was very early in his speech, that caught my attention, let's play that.
1: What happened here is simple and straightforward, terrorism, terrorism, domestic terrorism, violence inflicted in the service of hate, and the vicious thirst for power that defines one group of people being inherently inferior to any other group. a hate that through the media and politics, the Internet has radicalized, angry, alienated, lost, and isolated individuals into falsely believing that they will be replaced, that's the word, replaced, by the other, by people who don't look like them, and who are, therefore, in a perverse ideology that they possess and being fed lesser beings. I and all of you reject the lie. I call on all Americans to reject the lie. And I condemn those who spread the lie for power, political gain, and for profit. So,
0: Joe Biden uh, goes to Buffalo and immediately politicizes the act of uh, a deranged, uh, crazed, racist gunman. We, we've heard no reports that I'm aware of that this lunatic was connected to any uh, political organization. Uh, Joe is insinuating that you know, he did this for political power. Uh, I just don't know if that's true. I think Joe is using this situation uh, for political power. Uh, I I think this whole replacement theory thing that we're saying is the great motivator of this shooter, I think that that's inaccurate and or exaggerated and or uh, the President of the United States uh, doesn't have the courage, the intellect, the willingness to address the replacement theory, let's say, and engage in that conversation, other than shouting people down and saying you shouldn't talk about it. And as I talked about this yesterday, uh, as people have tried to blame Tucker Carlson and Fox News and conservatives for even addressing the issue of the replacement theory. And, and I'm gonna reiterate that again today, uh, we should be talking about the replacement theory. It's a legitimate conversation. And it's not, this lunatic may be inspired by the racial angle as a, to that argument. That's not what I don't think is inspiring most people. There's a set of values and principles being replaced in America. And the Democrats believe, and perhaps rightfully so, and again, I I wanna put all issues on the table, they believe that they have brainwashed and convinced a significant number of black people to betray the Christian values that had defined us for a couple hundred years in this country and they believe that black people, brown people, people of color will betray the values that made this country great. And so their argument is we've got black people on block. They're with us. They will betray these values. And if we can just get more white people, Christian white people out of the way who believe in biblical worldviews, biblical principles, believe in the founding of this country being biblically inspired, if we can get rid of more of those people and replace them with people we feel like we totally control, then we can uh, install Marxism, communism, socialism, and reshape this country and get it in line with a new world order led by China and the Chinese Communist Party. And so the real argument, the real discussion that needs to be being had in a public, massive public way led by our president is black people. Have we been so hoodwinked and brainwashed? that we're just tools of the Democratic Party, and if they tell us, hey, we're all abandoning Christianity and our religious faith, and you ain't black unless you adopt these democratic principles, if you don't know that Joe Biden is your daddy, you ain't black. And so, I'm sorry, if, in no, what this lunatic did is a tragedy and a disgrace. And there's, I I don't know a human being that's not repulsed by it. But I'm gonna keep it all the way real. I'm concerned about the replacement theory. I'm concerned about the Democrats' ability to to build a, a voting block of people who don't believe in a biblical worldview who don't believe in the biblical founding of this country. I'm concerned about it and I understand why other people are concerned about it. And I understand why some people see it as a racial issue because the Democrats have defined it as a racial issue. They write and talk all the time about this demographic change. that's going to empower the democratic party. And it's because they're saying, man, we got black people and brown people on block. We will tell them what to think, and they will obey. They're so dependent upon the government, and since we're in control of the government and corporate media, and we've got all of their influencers, all of their athletes and other celebrities on lock, we can control these people. They will abandon all of their biblical beliefs in order to support our party. And so we need more of them over here. And, we, and these people uh, coming through our southern border, we're gonna control them the same way we have other black and brown people here in America. We're gonna give them enough free cell phones and welfare that they'll be under our control as well. I'm concerned about that. When I look at schools and, and what, what they're teaching kids and how all these little perverts in grade school teachers wanna to talk to young people about their sexuality and their gender. Yeah, I'm looking at my way of thinking being replaced and I don't blame people for being concerned about that. Joe, I, I gotta be here, I'll just fall into name calling or whatever, but Joe, Uh, At other points in his brief speech, tried to sound, he, he, in a very satanic move, he quoted scripture and tried to pass himself off as a man of faith in parts of his speech. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it it was, I'm just, it, it was very satanic. The devil dressed up as God and dressed up as a believer. But here's a second little sound bite from Joe Biden's speech in Buffalo.
1: But there are certain things we can do. We can keep assault weapons off our streets. We've done it before. I did it when he passed the crime bill last time. And violence went down, shootings went down. You can't prevent people from being radicalized to violence. But we can address the relentless exploitation of the internet to recruit and mobilize terrorism. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the America I know, that Jill knows, and most deserve the most — we — look, we're the most multiracial, most dynamic nation in the history of the world. Now the time for the people of all races, from every background, to speak up as a majority in America and reject white supremacy. These actions we've seen in these hate-filled attacks represent the views of a hate-filled minority. We can't allow them to distort America, the real America. We can't allow them to destroy the soul of the nation. As President of the United States, I travel the world all the time. And other nations ask me, heads of state in other countries, ask me, what's going on? What in God's name happened on January 6th? What happened in Buffalo? What happened? To ask. We have to refuse to live in a country where black people going about a weekly grocery shopping can be gunned down by weapons of war deployed in a racist cause. We have to refuse to live in a country where fear and lies are packaged for power and for profit.
0: We have to refuse to live in a country where presidents show up at the scenes of tragedy and crab speeches for power and profit. How about that country? The, the, obviously, Joe Biden, to me, calculated and, and a bit transparent and honest. We can't live in a country where black people are gunned down Uh, while doing their daily routine of getting groceries and be harmed by white supremacy. That's the America he wants to live in. And I get it, and that's a great goal. But what he's also saying, because and look, what happened in Buffalo is a tragedy, but those tragedies are repeated nearly every day in black communities across the country, and it's fueled by a different kind of racism, black racism against other black people, but Joe Biden will say nothing about that. All the thousands of African-Americans gunned down in black communities by other African-Americans, Joe Biden doesn't care if we live in that America. He wants to deal with the aberrations, the Dylan Roofs, and whatever this guy, Peyton, whatever, whatever this guy's name is. I'm not minimizing their behavior. It is tragic, unfortunate. It it is a form of terrorism. But this terrorism will go on in urban communities, major cities, tonight, tomorrow night, and the night after that, and Joe Biden will not say a word. He's fine living in that America. If a little boy gets shot in Chicago tonight or in Baltimore by a stray bullet from a gang, Joe Biden is going to sleep very, very well. There's no political power to be gained from going to Chicago or for going anywhere where black people are gunning each other down at a record clip ever since 2020, and we started the whole defund the police deal. And so Joe Biden lives in an America where the only thing heads of states from other countries ever ask him about January 6th and, and Buffalo. They didn't ask, they did, not one head of state asked him about the summer of 2020, and riots and violence across this entire country over George Floyd. No one asked him a word about that. Buildings, cities, uh, businesses being looted and destroyed, policemen being shot dead in the streets. The only thing people ask about January 6th in Buffalo and tiki torches in Charlottesville, because he went there today as well. And it always leads back to, well, we can just get these assault weapons, we can just get these guns out of people's hands. If we can just tamp down and minimize the Second Amendment, it's all gonna be better. Because once, once we take away the Second Amendment, or once we get these assault, wipe, assault weapons, and once we illegalize them, all, the criminals are just going to give up their guns. And it'll be nothing but safe, safety, and prosperity all over the country. I'm telling you, I I started the process of following politics uh, more intensely. I did not have this kind of severe animus disdain for the left. The more I follow it, my my disdain, my my fear of the political left and just their their satanic nature, their lying nature, the, the very things they accuse their opponents of doing, they're always doing. Joe Biden went to Buffalo to use this tragedy for political power. didn't go to Waukesha. guy ran out killed 6 people ran them over in cars injured like 50 60 more joe biden nowhere to be seen didn't have a word he's fine living in that america i i i i did not at all like his speech uh particularly you know what a uh, what are we, two, three weeks, after Joe Biden uh, basically supported abortion on demand, and he's a Catholic, claims to be, and now here, two or three weeks later, this guy wants to quote scripture to us, like he's a believer, like he believes in the sanctity of life? You can go snatch up a little baby and crush him in the womb, and Joe Biden doesn't have a word to say about it, and they can do it at a uh, 50, 60,000 clip a year, or I I'm, think I'm underestimating this, probably a million abortions Nine. a year. They can do that, do that a clip and say nothing. And again, I don't want to minimize mass shootings, but again, this guy, didn't like 20 people in Milwaukee get shot in a little two hour span after a Milwaukee Bucks game. Not a word from Joe Biden. He's fine living in that America. There's no ratings. There's no political power to be gained by talking about what happened after a Milwaukee Bucks game because the shooters didn't fit the right profile. They didn't advance the narrative. Uh, TJ, Mo is here with me. You have any thoughts? Did you did, did Uncle
2: Joe, did Brandon, uh, did you like his speech any better than I did? I did not. I may have. Uh, I don't know if it's possible to like it less than you did, but <laughs> I I did not like it. His intentions are clear. He he is going to Buffalo to. Uh, he said anybody who is talking about this. He was talking specifically, I think, aiming that at Tucker Carlson, the replacement theory. He's, he's aiming to censor them. He mentioned the tech platforms. He'd like to censor them. Anybody who doesn't agree with them, he would like to censor all of them. And he says they're responsible for killing black people, and they are responsible for white supremacy. And all the while, trying to disarm all of the black people that could have defended themselves. We're going to have Moj on later. His organization is Black Guns Matter. Wouldn't you think that if you were trying to save black lives, you would arm them and say, if, if you were actually afraid that there were crazy white supremacists everywhere, just looking to hunt down black people, wouldn't you give black people the guns? Instead, you're going to their cities to take all of their guns. And so uh, that, is, that is the one part of the speech. The second thing I think is, is quite obvious, and you hit on it in part of your monologue there. These guys, Joe Biden is a self-loathing idiot. I mean, he hates white people. It is, it, is, it is clear as day. And he hates everything that white people, according to the Smithsonian, as I'm gonna bring up here, have traditionally stood for. A Couple years ago- but I don't want to kill your thought, but I don't know if I agree with that.
0: I, I, I think he pretends to hate white people for political power.
2: Could be, he, uh, let me finish my thought. Go ahead. He hates the idea of whiteness. And so the, the Smithsonian, this, is, this, this went around and made the rounds a couple of years ago. The Smithsonian uh, in the National Museum of African American History and Culture has a section demonizing whiteness, okay? And what is actually in this section is one of the craziest things I've ever seen to be demonizing, okay? They said th- these are the aspects and assumptions of whiteness and white culture, uh, largely, they're, they're indicating they, we need to rid ourselves of these things. Rugged individualism. The individual is the primary unit self-reliance. Family structure, the nuclear family. Father, mother, two to three children is an ideal social unit. Objective and rational linear thinking. Cause and effect relationships. History, based on you know, whatever, that doesn't matter as much. Uh, work ethic. Hard work is the key to success. Work hard before you play. Religion, Christianity is the norm, uh, and, and so on. So they go through you know, competition, uh, be number one. There is a winner-loser dichotomy. Everything's action-oriented. And so the idea is that all of these objectively good things are whiteness, and we need to rid ourselves of them, not the least of which, but they hit on page two, is Christianity. And so this, this is why I say he hates whiteness or white, what it stands for, because this is the stuff he's trying to get rid of.
0: I, I, I don't think he's trying to get rid of it. And again, this, this, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying how it lands for me as a black person. He's not, that, that Smithsonian stuff and the left that's pushing that, they don't think that message lands with TJ Moe. They don't think it, Christian Newland, they don't think that you guys will read that, hear that and go, yeah, those are bad things. Mm-hmm. What they think is, and Joe Biden's made it very clear, when he made the big statement on The Breakfast Club, you ain't black if you don't support support me. And so what he thinks is, and he's right, because black people, a great many, have been convinced. Anything that I do that isn't white is best for me. Mm. And so that's why... Joe Biden and them are defining self-responsibility, uh, work ethic, good grades, all the they're defining. Those are white attributes because they know black people have been brainwashed into thinking that anything that we do that's anti-white is good. Mm. And and so again, it's a mind game that, you know, on a different show, I would call it a mind F uh, <laughs> that, that they're doing to black people. I don't think you're the target audience. I I don't really know any white people that would read that and think, yeah, he's right about that. I do know some black people that will hear that and think, because again, I I grew up and went to school when uh, you would get made fun of as a black person for making good grades by your black peers. You're trying to be white. That's cool. Why are you making good grades? You get laughed at and mocked. They Joe Biden and these guys, we, this is like, a, and I, I compared it, I think, last week or whatever. This is the pimp game. And TJ, I know you, you're not from that world or know about that world. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do. And it's, we are the hoes, the streetwalkers of the Democratic Party, and they control us mentally with things like that. And, and that's why so many black people think that if I'm doing something that agitates
2: a Christian white person, I'm making progress. Yeah, I don't think we're disagreeing, actually. Um, I know a ton of white liberals who have some serious self-loathing going on and buy into all this. And so I, I actually do think they believe this, but it's out of guilt, and it is out of reading history inappropriately. Let me ask you, any of those white people that
0: buy into that, are they married? Are they avoiding marriage? Are they having a bunch of illegitimate kids? Because, yeah, I think there's some white liberals
2: that will say that and promote that, but they don't live it. it totally true. So, yeah. so I guess what I'm saying is, is that there are people that will spout these ideas, and it, and it would lead to back what you're saying, is this type of behavior leads to independence. If you can rid people of this behavior, and maybe it's it's not the white people you're ridding uh, the behavior of. Perhaps that's where, where we're uh, disagreeing here. But I'm saying if they ultimately want to transform America into a Marxist government, top-down, controlled idea, they have to get rid of this, and they do it by labeling it whiteness.
0: I think they believe they don't... They believe they've created the label of racism to be so powerful and petrifying that uh, they don't need a great number, that they don't need to convince a bunch of people to buy into that. They just need them to be afraid of being called racist. Hmm. And so Again, it, 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 it's, I don't think they're selling that message, and I don't think the people that are selling that message believe it. It's just a tactic to silence TJ Moe, Jason Whitlock, and other people into uh, be shut up, be quiet. You're, you're messing with our hoes, and, and literally, that, that you wanna piss a pimp off, get in the ear of one of his hoes and he'll he'll go berserk and he'll turn violent and he'll do anything to make sure that you're not look we are pimping black people and that's how we're winning control of America. We've got people like TJ Moe and like T, Not you're not one of the people, but they've there's a bunch of people that agree with your thinking that have been scared into silence and they go along with this BS. They totally agree with you, they understand they understand how illogical it is, but they live in utter fear of being labeled a racist. And so if they can keep up this control, that's how they, again, it's, it's, it's like, and, and again, we're not really disagreeing, but it's just like how they got away with the election deal. And what you know, 2,000 Mules to me exposed is like, they created this belief, particularly among black people, that if Donald Trump were president, you're going to be in slavery four years from now, he's Hitler. And so you convince people of that. And so it just took a small handful of people to be convinced of that. Those people were willing to help them cheat, in my view, and steal the election. And so you don't have to control many. You just have to control the willing, because most of the rest of us, just like Joe Biden sitting there, and don't be silent. Silence is X, Y, and Z. And, and we're the group that have been silenced. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, that, that other group is on Twitter and in schools and in public spaces shouting their beliefs to the heart's content. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have a silence problem. Uh, they have an amplification problem. They've been ampl- <laughs> Their voices have been amplified. It's those of us on the other side that have been silenced because they smear us with, oh, you hate black people, you're an Uncle Tom, or... You hate people. You're you're a white racist. And anyway, I'm not I I I've talked myself into a circle where I'm like. There's a lot of agreement between the two of us, but I'm telling you, I since Joe Biden does not dislike white people, Joe Biden is a white supremacist who believes that white people like him, need to be in control of everything, they're gods, uh, and he, he, again, he's the true white supremacist. He's, he's, he believes in the superiority of white people. He, he believes that he and the Democratic Party and their ideology and their science and all the progress we've made, we can control this thing and we can control the climate. We, we, can, we can control everything. Just give the government, give us more power, we can make all the decisions, we got all the information. The rest of you people are a group of idiots, and those of you that want to be responsible for yourself, you can't, it's that elitist mentality. That's why Hillary's caught on camera with the black dude, uh, her long gown, and you know, she's one of the people, and she's a black dude all masked up, Mm. fixing her gown. That's who these people are, man. They are. And again, it's my disdain for them comes so naturally because it'll never matter how much money I make or have made. Uh, My mother was a factory worker. My father didn't
2: graduate high school. I like working class people. I would say this. I think Joe Biden hates me. And so the things that I stand for and what I do, he hates me. And in his view, I think he thinks that more white people are like that. And so that is what he hates, what, what I embody, right? So question for you. I'm, I'm 31, so in my lifetime, I'm a generation behind you. Do you think at some point in my lifetime we will see a shift from black people voting 90-plus percent Democrat to moving over to the Republican Party? <sighs>
0: If it's gonna happen, it will happen in the next decade. And I would say in the next, we'll see major signs of it. We'll see signs of it in the midterms here, and we'll see a a significant shift in 24. If not, because I just don't know how much, how much more truth needs to be put in people's faces that The Democrats and their policies have no intention of improving things for the country and or black people. Uh, So I'm not that hopeful, but because one, they have total control of our women. Hmm. and uh, People don't understand. Women have so much power and we pretend like they have none. But just keeping it 100% real, access to that special spot between their legs gives them incredible power over men. And I've seen so many men uh, just hop on board with things that they know are illogical to keep peace with that woman they, they are married to, have kids with, or want access to that special spot. Uh, and and they have, because whatever that 90% is, I bet it's got to be
2: 95% with black women. Yeah, I think black men actually, particularly in 2020, shifted to voting for Trump at a higher rate than we had seen in the Republican Party in the past. Yeah.
0: And so I, I'm just, I, I, I don't want to, I got to be careful here because I, I don't want to, I got to be careful with my friends or whatever, but I got some friends that literally Their wives are the only reason why they didn't vote for Trump, and uh, or the second time voted for him but lied to their wives about it. (laughs) Uh, And it's the only way to keep peace in the home. Hmm. And and that's again that's that's where Stacey Abrams comes from. That's where Kamala Harris comes from. That's where what Jean Marie or Corinne Jean the the new White House. Press oh, secretary yeah. or whatever—that's that, where all, the, the the Democrats, their pimp game is unbelievably strong. Iceberg Slim has nothing on the game that the Democratic Party is running on black people, and it's it's that calculated. In tur it's why they've made Stacey Abrams the face of, and and I'm just—it's this calculated. I'm sorry for being this offensive, but. They, it's a fat black woman. It's a message to fat black women around. We love you. Them Republicans, they wouldn't love. But look at how we love Stacey Abrams. Blah blah. It's a mess. And so this woman had a like a two hundred and thirty credit rating. Was upside, and and somehow they got her out here like uh, she's the the next Martin Luther Queen, and uh, they then funneled her a bunch of money, let her clean up her credit. She's never run or won anything, but they got her out here like she could be the next president of the United States. It's, it, and again, I'm overweight. I, I don't, clearly. But again, this woman's 300-some-odd pounds, and they got her, like, never made a dime, wrote some bad romantic novels, uh, you know, Credit score, unbelievable. Been a, just an irresponsible person. But she's gonna be our next president. It's messy. it's pimp game being run. It's, it, it's, it's sickening. I, I, Delano's gonna be coming up shortly. I gotta take care of some business. I've got, because we didn't get it. I wanna get in with Delano. We'll get into this dead spin story that I'm interested in as well. Uh, but now that DHS has created a department designed to combat disinformation, one has to wonder what's next. Free speech is under attack, which is why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider, and they are passionate about free speech and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. Go to patriotmobile.com Jason, or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code Jason. Veterans and first responders save even more, so make the switch today. It's time we support companies that love America, love you, and share your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. Or just call 972-PATRIOT. All right, Delano Squire is just around the corner. X! All right, well, Matt, uh, time for my favorite part of the show. We get to roll out to Washington, D.C., and bring in Delano Squires, uh, Professor D. Uh, your president, uh, I think your favorite president of all time, Joe Biden, uh, gave a masterful, just a wonderful speech out in Buffalo. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I was brought nearly to tears. Uh, let me, let me, I want to ask this straightforwardly. Uh, did Joe Biden's speech today in Buffalo, did it help or hurt, uh, the racial divide?
3: Um, I, I think it's as, it was as close to a net neutral, um, as you could get, I, I don't, I'm not one that tends to push and play defense, but, uh, Jason, it could it could have been a lot worse right? He could have spent most of his time excoriating the right. He could have spent most of his time trying to get into great replacement theory. He could have spent most of his time um, talking about uh, Fox News and Tucker Carlson by name. He could have spent most of his time, you know, saying that everyone who voted for Trump is the equivalent of a white supremacist. Um, he, he He touched on all of, you know, some of those issues generally, but I think the fact that he spent the, the beginning portion of his speech talking about the victims um, was was a good thing, was a proper thing and was something that um, is appropriate for the moment. So it, it wasn't it, obviously it wasn't the speech that I would have wanted to hear. Right. Because I'm, I'm a person I'm, I, I like I like uh, political rhetoric. That can be applied equally across the board. So when I want, so when I hear people say or or infer that these types of attacks, racist as it was, um, are are the number one threat to black lives across the country, and black people can't go to the store without fear of being shot and so on and so on and so forth, I know that these people are lying, right? I know that their their narrative is completely devoid of facts. But but I don't I don't expect him to sort of tease that out in this moment. But um, but all those things being said, um, it could have been worse. Uh, obviously, I wish it would have been better. So that's why I sort of end up somewhere in the middle.
0: You know, and I'm going to bring TJ in to this part as well. I, I maybe I'm nitpicking a guy. Maybe I just I, I don't know. Maybe I've lost all objectivity. <laughs> But even the beginning part, where he's just rattling off the names and ages and this little teeny bit of information about each individual, it just didn't seem sincere to me. It, it felt like, oh, I remembered everyone's name, I remembered everyone's age, I know I'm supposed to pretend like I have this intimate knowledge of all these people. And it just it seemed packaged, rehearsed, and insincere to me. And it was like a laundry list that he was had memorized because he tried to make it look like he wasn't looking at notes or looking for a prompter. It just seemed insincere.
2: Am I being too hard on him? I probably, because I don't know <laughs> what else you're supposed to do in that moment. You, you want to acknowledge them. Now, you can be more, more authentic about it and say, Guys, look, obviously I didn't know any of these people, but these people were very special to a lot of people, and I want to acknowledge what happened to them senselessly, and you're going to hear something about them, here's the information I've been given, and then roll through it, instead of, I think he, maybe it, it seems like your holdup is that he tried to play it as though he was best friends with all these people and was not very authentic. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. Although, again his delivery. It's like Joe Biden could barely at this point read a teleprompter. So nitpicking at his delivery is telling a dead guy to stand up and walk over there, you know?
0: Mm. Am I being too hard on him, Delano? Probably.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, be-
3: because because honestly, it's like, it, I, I sort of, I, I, I look at, you know, our political figures, you know, for what they are. It's just like in your family. There's certain people who you know, you got to honor uncle that when they say something, it's going to be delivered in a certain way. And you just you come to peace with that. It's like, this is how my this is how my relative speaks. Um, I love them. But, you know, what I mean, they are who they are. Um, as T.J. said, J- Joe Biden is not capable of any eloquent discourse or rhetoric. Right. He's not Barack Obama. But neither was Donald Trump. So when Trump, for instance, went to Puerto Rico after the, the hurricane, he was doing jump shots with the, with the toilet paper, you know, and people were, you know, um, criticizing him for it. I, I understood the criticism. But I said, this is what Donald Trump does. Expecting him to come out and be the warm uncle, the one who, who says, I, I really, I, I feel your pain. That's, that's not going to happen. So I just, I, I take it for what it was. Um, as I said, the president could have spent his, the first part of his speech doing something totally different. I mean, if, if he did only one tenth of what the corporate press has been doing since Saturday, that speech would have had a totally different tone. And I think could have really done some major damage because he actually he didn't press into the even though he, t- he talked about, you know, white supremacy, white supremacist violence. He didn't press into it as as firmly today as he has in previous speeches. And, and that was my fear that he was just going to. Uh, Inflame the situation because I think, Jason, at the end of the day, all of us, and I truly mean all of us, myself included, um, when we're talking about race and culture and citizenship and nationality and immigration, and all these big issues, th- there is a sense in which we, we are playing with fire, so to speak. And that's why I think sobriety, carefulness, precision in the words that we use, the terms that we use, in the tone that we take is a, is a good thing. Um, I know that sometimes on both left and right, those, those things can, you know, it, it, it feels much, it's more enjoyable to just go at people's necks. And, and I'm not calling for people to, to, you know, for censorship of political speech. But I also understand, like, words, words matter. They have meaning. Um, I would, I'm not in the business of assigning blame for the, the acts of a shooter to political rhetoric, again, unless we're willing to do that across the board. Which means that the FBI may start knocking on Ben Crump's door and saying, Hey, all this black genocide talk, you, you're talking about the police. We just had five officers that were shot, you know, in ambush, and we'd like to talk to you about the things that you've been saying and writing and, and so on and so forth. I'm, I'm not suggesting that. But, but what I am saying is um, moments like these are a good time to reflect on who we are. Where we are, where we're going as a country, because there, there is a part of all of us across the board where when you hear these things, one of the first things that you think is, I wonder what color the shooter is. And then it's depending on who he is, how is this going to get spun up? Right. Or same thing with the police shootings. It's like, OK, what, what color is the suspect? What, what color is the cop? Now, the fact that you hear about it probably means there's a white cop and a, black su- and a and a black victim, probably, because the other ones you don't even hear about. But I think there is a sense in which, you know, we should all just be a little bit more careful with with our rhetoric, the president, the president included.
0: Well, speaking of being careful with the rhetoric, this somewhat this ties to the Buffalo deal uh, Mm -hmm. and it ties to the column you wrote uh, today. Uh, Deadspin (laughs) wrote a column (laughs) blasting white people for enjoying NBA playoffs after the Buffalo massacre. And I don't know if this is the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. Uh, Karan J. B- Phillips has written a lot of really dumb things. But the fact that two NBA playoff games went on and and I think we got a graphic that shows that there were other sporting events that he he, you know, clearly didn't care about. I think there were 15 Major League Baseball games, uh, two NHL games, two MLS games. Uh, the NBA playoffs weren't the only thing going on, but they were the only league called out and the only fan base called out. And so there is. A, I think there was, used to be the Buffalo Braves. There used to be an NBA team uh, from Buffalo that is no longer in existence. But basketball players were supposed to, or I'm sorry, white basketball fans were supposed to skip that game to think mm. about uh, what went on in Buffalo. I I, I have, I'm going to stop. I'm going to show a little discipline before I go further. But I, I'm eventually going to say what I think in terms of just <laughs> We've so lowered discourse and public platforms and who gets to write a column and who gets to be taken seriously. There is no standard anymore. Uh, This guy is a clear idiot and there clearly are no editors and there's just no standard. This whole democratization of free speech or platforms, it hasn't been good. Mm. I'm just, it hasn't helped public discourse that any and everybody gets to say any and everything. And this is why I would
3: call exhibit A. Yeah. So so now I'm going to try to hold myself to what I said in the last segment, where um, two minutes ago, <laughs> uh, because I, I, I saw the, the Quran um, Phillips, I was about to say Quran Butler, I, I saw the Quran Phillips piece. Um, I was, as I was doing research yesterday and then I realized that he, he blocked me. I've never even interacted with the dude. Um, and it's not the first, you know, piece of rubbish that I've seen him put out. He's, he's actually quite, quite prodigious in his production of garbage in that sense. Um, but I, I think his mindset is, is one of the big problems with our race discourse, right? So again, I, I want to separate this from the actual incident in the shooting in Buffalo. So I'm not, what, nothing I say is, is to take away from that particular incident. His mindset is, is one that dominates the conversation among the, the aristocracy, the Black elite, specifically that uh, hate crimes are a matter of national emergency. And, uh, excuse me. Yeah, hate hate crimes are a matter of national emergency. Emergency, and any crimes that that you know black suspects commit are ones that can be swept under the rug and not even addressed. So, in my piece, I actually talk about the fact that last week, I think it was last Friday, twenty one people were shot in downtown Milwaukee in over the course of three separate shootings after the the playoff game, and. This writer doesn't even see fit to mention it um, as it relates to the degree to which the Bucks were playing with a heavy heart on Sunday, right? Because you're talking about things that happened in their home city. and He doesn't even mention it because to, to people like him, any one of these incidents, no matter how far it is from any given black community, is a reason that every black person in the country is in a state of mourning, is depressed, is anxious and afraid to go out of the house and afraid to go to the grocery store. And in effect, what people like him do is step over the, the, the dead bodies, sometimes literally, of Black men, women, and children, most of whom are not involved in street life and who get cut down in drive-bys and, and, and you know, the innocent victims of, of other types of shootings. And people like him don't even give those people a name. If, if I was to challenge the average listener to name one Black person who's been killed by another black person, who's not famous or tied to anybody famous, over the last five years, most people would find it difficult. But any person who's been killed by the police or even any person who's been harassed by, uh, I talk about the Amy Cooper situation a lot, You know, who's been harassed by a middle-aged white lady in a parking lot or Central Park, that is a matter of national concern. So th- that is the, the sense in which he's writing I saw a CNN contributor earlier today was saying the same thing. It's always, oh, us black people, we're in fear of our lives because of the extremely small number of these, you know, racist attacks, which again, tragic as they are, are not the reason that black people, as 13% of the population, make up almost half of the homicide victims. Um, So I, I just, it's hard for me to have respect for these people. And one of the things I say in my column is that. These people are are trading on a moral authority that we have given them, and we need to take back. People like Karan Phillips, uh, Nia Malika Henderson, Jamel Hill, um, all the other pundits, politicians, who who are like racial groundhogs—they put their head up one time a year to find one situation that that fits their narrative. These people have no moral authority whatsoever. If you say black lives matter with your lips but really believe that white perpetrators matter with your heart, you can't come and lecture me on, 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 on protecting black lives and, and the threats to our lives. I'm not trying to hear it from you. You can go and do something else with your, with your day because I'm going to ignore you completely. So I, I saw the Desmond article, I'm not surprised by it. Desmond is a trash heap, he fits right in um, and I think you're right, people like him do hurt the discourse.
0: T.J., did you watch any NBA basketball or did you spend a Sunday morning the uh,
2: tragedy in Buffalo? Were you a good white person or not? I was, uh, <laughs> I guess it depends, right? Because if I boycotted the game, that would be considered racist, too. Yeah, racist, you don't, because so, so they're black not. players. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, um, and so I actually tweeted this out. I'm like, so, so let me get this straight. White people willingly giving their money to black people is racist. But of course, if they boycotted it in, in that we think black people need some time to mourn, even though they were still doing what they do, then that would also be racist. You know, I was just looking up while Delano was talking. In 2020, about 27 black people were killed per day in America. There was 10 killed in Buffalo. 27 per day. And he thinks that a group of black men who don't live in the city, have no attachment to these people other than they look the same as me, could not function to play a game of basketball. Uh, one of the things he says in here, and he's like, uh, "Only sports only serve as, as an escape for society if you're white. Well, that's obviously a lie, I would assume. I will, I will heed to each <laughs> of you on that. Um, but uh, secondarily, it is that like just because someone looks like you who passed away, uh, which happens 3x what happened in Buffalo. As terrible as that was, it happens every day. Now, it may not happen in groups of 10, but it happens every day. It's a tragedy of which, if you let that weigh on your heart, you'll never function for any moment on any day, because there's always terrible things happening. And this is just America. Think about the tragedies happening around the world in places that don't have the rights that we do and that don't have all of the protections don't make these things a big deal, right? That the conscience of America and what makes us as great as we are is that we all come together, and while it's politicized in a way that we don't appreciate, we come together and say, that happened in Buffalo, and while there's 330 million of us, those 14 deaths or 12 deaths, whatever it was, are unacceptable, particularly with how they happen, but period. They're unacceptable. And that's what makes America a wonderful place. If you went over to uh, certain places of the world, those 14 people, you'd never know their name. You'd never even know that they existed.
0: I've lived long enough, unfortunately I'm older than you two guys, that but that, there was no requirement when I was growing up to feel the pain of something that happened 500, 1,000 miles away. That People could get shot and killed in Buffalo, and I was allowed to go to the playground and play basketball, or play football, or play hide and go seek, or do, do, you know, just do whatever I wanted to. I I could go to the bar that night and drink, you know, as a 19-year-old or a 21-year-old or whatever. But this is where I think, where I think, like social media just hasn't served us. We think, oh, it's connected us all. Well, do we all really need to be connected? Where where Everything that happens anywhere in America, I'm supposed to feel something. I, I got enough to worry about just me. And so I quit playing the game in terms, because I watched Sunday as everybody tweeted out their thoughts and concerns about Buffalo. And, and I, I just, I'm, I don't have to do this to prove that I'm a good person. Because, mm. like, when my cousin Anton Butler was killed by sheriffs in Indianapolis, I wasn't looking on social media for any celebrity or any random person to tweet out thoughts and prayers and condolences or talk about my cousin Anton or anything like that. That was something personal for me and my family that knew my cousin. And that's all I, I wanted to talk to family. I wanted to cry myself, talk to God, ask for explanation, but this whole system we've created where, oh my God, someone who shares your skin color, something bad happened to them, you all must now commune around social media and act like, because most of it is, I'm just sorry, 98% of it, 99%. It's just an act. Hmm. It's... I feel. I hope it never happens to my. Well, it has happened to my family. I'm just. It has. I hope that those tragedies don't visit other people. But I'm not going to sit up and pretend like my day was devastated on Sunday because something bad happened to ten people in Buffalo who share my skin color. I watch those basketball games, and so if I can watch the basketball games from Nashville. You're gonna, you're telling me that watching those games, going, attending those games in Phoenix, where you're an actual Phoenix Suns fan, you've paid the money to go to those games. They're the bad guys. The white people in Phoenix are supposed to feel worse than Jason Whitlock in Nashville, and and stop with it. Don't go to the game. That's white supremacy. I mean, literally, the, the guy's headline. <laughs> I I, I mean, at this level, white fans were entertained by black athletes a day after a racist killed black people in Buffalo. This is what white supremacy looks like.
2: It wasn't what actually happened in Buffalo. That wasn't white supremacy. It was showing up to support the black players at the game. And
0: I'll just, it's that headline is a statement about the progress we've made then. If that's mm. what white supremacy is—going to a basketball game 24 hours after somebody got killed in another city—things are pretty good. No wonder people are beating down the doors and people are walking from every place in South America to get to <laughs> <laughs> hey, Delano. Uh, if you have a second yeah. thought on that, or, uh-
3: yeah, I, I mean, I, I, again, and this is one of the things I, I, I put in my column, and the whole premise of my column is that. Our culture is is infected with what I um, call outrage inequity, right? So it it's the disproportionate application of moral indignation and fake concern for for certain issues based on specific skin color combinations, right? Of perpetrator and victim. Because my thing is, if 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 the general consensus is that when when anything that was you know, a heinous crime anywhere in the country takes place. And Americans, as, a, as the American family, we mourn together. I think most people will say, okay, I can get on board with that. But the, the Laguna Woods shooting that involved a Taiwanese shooter and a Chinese congregation, I mean, our, our race scribes are so dim, to be quite frank. They don't even have the language or the understanding. They don't. They their worldview cannot process that. So that is just a footnote, right? Even though that that shooting and the way it took place was very reminiscent of what happened in South Carolina and Charleston a few years ago, um, they don't have the language or the understanding to even process that. So it it, it would be different if if we if our outrage and our moral indign- indignation was commensurate with these issues, if if Waukesha, prompted the panelists on CNN to have a reflective moment and to condemn, you know, the ideology of Daryl Brooks, then that will be one thing. But what CNN did was they they wrote columns that said it was the SUV. So one of the things I argue for in the column is that we need to apply the same standards to all inanimate objects, regardless of who's wielding them, right? Because we <laughs> we see that this is, they are playing all of us. This is a game for them. These people don't care about, well, look, let me I don't think that they're callous enough to not care about actual victims. I just think that what they care about more is using victims to consolidate political power. And, and I would contend that they've been doing that to the Black community for decades. And that's why, as I've said before, fake hate crimes are more important to them than real street crimes. Um, and that's why Jesse Smollett, Bubba Wallace, and all these other people get a, an inordinate amount of media attention. Right. And when those things happen, then you see everybody say they want more police, more law enforcement. They want federal investigations of one type or another. But when this stuff that happens in our own neighborhoods, Jason, you've heard me talk about this. When when Trump said he was going to roll out Operation Legend and and take federal crime fighting to nine cities, ATF, DOJ, FBI, and they arrested over close to 500 murder suspects, the Biden administration got rid of that within the first week of inauguration. Now you have some of the same Black folk who cheered that, talking about, well, we need legislation and anti-Black uh, uh, hate crime executive orders. So th- th- these people, they, th- their worldview does not allow them to apply one standard to these situations across the board. And that's why I said towards the end, it's like for me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm even more thankful to, to be a believer, because at the cross, I see a level in place Right. That, that horizontal beam puts all of mankind on the same level as sinners. And that vertical beam is an indication that the only way to, to be reconciled with one another truly is, is to be reconciled with God through Christ. So I'm, I'm thankful for that today. And as and as I said, I mean, these people, they, they, they think they have moral authority, but um, we should show them. And I hope that they see that they really don't. Lano, I got to go. Great
0: job as always. Thank you, guys. Uh, Let me take care of some business. Uh, Have you been at a company with bad HR? Have you ever given employee feedback that made a clear difference? Have you ever wanted to implement a better company culture? The bad news is that one complaint against your company can turn your world upside down. The good news is Bambi is here to help small business owners implement good HR practices. Bambi is an HR platform built for businesses like yours. So you can automate the most important HR practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. First, Bambi's HR Autopilot automates your core policies, workplace training, and employee feedback. Then your dedicated HR manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of HR and guide you to compliance. Available by phone, email, or real-time chat. An in-house HR manager can cost up to $80,000 a year. But with Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just $99 a month. No hidden fees, cancel any time. You run your business, let Bambi run your HR. Go to Bambi.com slash fearless right now for your free HR audit. That's Bambi spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash fearless. Bambi.com slash fearless. All right, stick around. Maj Torre live in Buffalo. Next. Welcome back. All right, uh, we're gonna roll out to Buffalo and bring in Maj Torre from Black Guns Matter. Uh, Maj has a great social media feed uh, that I follow over Twitter for quite some time. Uh, He's a strong proponent of the Second Amendment, and he's been trying to explain uh, to black Americans and just Americans in general why the Second Amendment and why our gun rights are so important. So it's not a surprise to me that uh, Maj hopped on a plane, hopped in a hoopty, or hopped on something, a bus, a bike, something, and went to Buffalo. Uh, Maj, uh, welcome to Fearless. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Uh, and And we'll start there. What made you say, hey, I got to I got to get to Buffalo?
4: We knew first. Thanks for having me tremendously, man. Um, it's, it's much uh, appreciated. First, we knew it was going to be more of the same. Um, when, as soon as we heard it went down, there's uh, this, this weirdo kid doing what he did and then me downloading the actual his so-called manifesto. Uh, um, I, I I knew it was just a matter of time before, you know, Democrats would show up. And come to find out Joe Biden is, is here or was just here with more of the same. So instead of gaslighting our people and they're going into, yo, know, we should get more guns off the street, never mind the fact that New York already has a bunch of gun control laws that don't work, we just wanted to make ourselves, a, a, you know, of service to the community. We just were literally there. Um, we pulled out. We're going to go back in about an a, a hour or two and uh, just make ourselves available to the people so they can learn basic firearm handling, safe storage, and how to personally defend themselves, other than just talking in thoughts and prayers.
0: Miles, I hear you, you're you using the word we, and, and I think you started out kind of like as a one-man show, but you've built up an organization and a constituency,
4: constituency that goes out and helps you promote this? Yeah, we we have a a few, you know, a small uh, group of folks that are actually committed. Now, we have instructors and trainers all over the country. When we've been traveling from L.A., Vegas, pretty much we've been to almost every state in America. But we try to focus on the cities that have the most uh, restrictive rights in regards to uh, the human right to self-defense. But we have trainers everywhere in regards to the people that are on the ground, you know, helping us at the Solutionary Center in Philadelphia. That's a small cadre, you know, a little motley crew. But we still get the job done. And that just exposes the fact that you don't need a million dollars a week. You don't need a bunch of uh, 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 people arguing. You, you know, sometimes there's too many chefs in the kitchen. So my team executes and the trainers what we do, how we've been successful. When we go to a city, a Chicago, we link up with fire instructors, ranges, RSOs and things in that city. And the people that we get to come there, beginners, they're able to generate business for those trainers that give them that voluntary class initially. So it's, this, it's a, it's a tight knit group of folks that have the goal in mind of exposing uh, the racist roots of gun control, like actual racism, not just you disagree with me, so you're racist, racism, but like actual we, you black people shouldn't have guns. And doing that and seeing how that translates into a lot of democratic policies, even though they may not be calling it the same thing now, the outcome is the same. So that's a part of it, as well as uh, just teaching the people in the community to have, you know, that want to be able to protect themselves, a basic understanding of firearms, whether that's handguns or long guns. So
0: walk us through me and my, our, our, our audience here, what are the racist roots of gun control?
4: So, for example, you have the state of North Carolina there. You know, each state obviously has a, their own state constitution. The state of North Carolina, literally their uh, constitution said every able bodied man should have a gun. Basically, then they literally scratched it out and was like every able bodied white man. Um, When you have when you go into like the black codes, the slave codes and things like that, it was literally written where even though the Constitution and the Second Amendment is very clear, it was except for you blacks, except for you indigenous peoples. Now, some people would say, well, that's not the same how it is now. Um, black people can still fill out and so forth and so on. But what's happened in cities where there have been large matriculations of black folks since Reconstruction, since Civil War, War era, We feel like that's separate. The branding has just been changed. So when you go go to a state like California, when you had the Black Panthers saying, we want to defend our communities from actual violence, not just bad guys that want to be justified, but actual violence by police, then you had people come in and say, no, we're going to change these rules. When you have cities like Chicago, where, you know, Otis McDonald said, hey, why do you want not want black people to have Saturday night, Saturday night specials, inexpensive firearms to protect ourselves from criminals? Why are you outlawing that? And that had to be overturned as well. The outcome is, in essence, the same more black people not having means to defend themselves, which is a contradiction to the supreme law of the land, which is the second amendment, you know, in the Bill of Rights of this Constitution of the United States. And, and, And also when we start getting into possession charges. Now, I wanna be very clear, we are not soft on crime. If you use a firearm unjustifiably and harm people or others or take their stuff, I want you to have your day in court and I want you to hurry up and go to jail. That's what I want to happen. But when we're talking about just the possession of a firearm, this guy lives in a rough neighborhood. This guy's not one of the bad guys. He wants the firearm to protect himself like what happened in Buffalo, but because Buffalo in the state of New York has these draconian and racist practices that have still extended, now that community can't lawfully defend themselves. And now you're getting a guy that decides to do it. Now he's catching an illegal possession charge. So the outcomes are still disproportionate in regards to the amount of people, right, percentage-wise and if it's only this many black people, why are we get into possession charges for something that clearly has been explained in the Second Amendment anyway. So we try to give our students and our beginners that civic understanding of how it translates, how it's been a rebrand, and how the outcome is still the same.
0: And so Marge, what would your what's your specific message to the people in Buffalo? Because the left obviously is going to be there saying, man, it's all these guns. That's why this happened. We just got to get rid of these guns and things will be better. What's your counter message?
4: Do not listen to any of these leftist politicians right now. Do not. They are lying. They are liars. Okay. They have, they say they don't, we can't do things specific for black communities. They'll say that, right? And okay, I I understand that argument but then they'll go around and say, we're gonna give $50 million to the Asian anti- community, right? But okay, cool, give $50 million to arm and train black people in the communities where this is happening. Equ- if, if, if you guys say there's so equality, my point is, these people are liars. You have to train, you have to purchase firearms, you have to support politicians that are in alignment with the supreme law of the land, which is the second amendment as it re- reg- in regards to firearms, You know, Joe Biden flew on a plane here faster than I could get here because he came here geared up to lie to the people. Don't listen to him. Find reputable trainers. Get some instruction. We'll help you for free at Black Guns Matter and only support a politician that says, I am in alignment with your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. If they're not going to say that, they do not deserve your vote and you don't have to rely on any politician for you to go train.
0: And so you've answered part of this question already with your previous answers, but, but I, I, I do want, want to ask this question. Some people will hear black guns matter, and, and they'll say, why are you racializing it? Your Second Amendment rights matter to all American citizens. Why, why are you specifically targeting the African-American community?
4: It has to be because that's where the the foolishness, the gun control practice of racism, when you got cities, excuse me, states like California, right? If I'm in Compton, they're gonna deny me a license to carry. If I live in uh, Orange County, Beverly Hills, you know, those types of places where there's very few black people, they have over 80% admission rate. So you apply for your license to carry, even though it's the same state, and there's more black and brown people in this one spot, that's and they those people that have more crime, more restrictions on their right to keep and bear arms. Those people that are hamstringed by the state happen to be su- surrounded by black folks. So it's not that we're saying it to the exclusion of other people. We're saying this is where this policy has failed America. This is where these policies have hamstringed. Again, we we talk about Compton. Nipsey Hussle changed his life around created jobs, productive member of society, was a convicted felon, could not lawfully have a firearm, was murdered in front of his place of business. If you go to Orange County, he gets that license issued. So we're saying this to get people to understand that if we want, like I do, if we want all of America to be whole and have equal protection under the law, we have to have that same equally applied constitutional human right as stated in the second amendment but we got to go where the disease is the most at and unfortunately that disease of uh racism and and trying to stop black people from having the means to defend themselves and the outcomes being as negative as they are happens to be a high concentration in the black community
0: maz what do you say to the people that will just use chicago as an example or baltimore or any of these major cities like wow, there's a lot of gun violence in Chicago. It seems like there's not a shortage of guns in those communities. There's a proliferation, a pervasiveness of guns that are leading to all of the gun violence. What do you say to that argument?
4: So when someone says that, they're usually saying, well, they're getting all of those guns from Indiana where there's less restrictive gun laws and they're bringing them over to Chicago. And I would say, well, if it's the same amount of guns or more guns in Indiana, how come Indiana doesn't have the violence that Chicago has? But Indiana isn't generally as leftist as Chicago. Indiana has more of a respect for the Second Amendment. You know, it's it's some of these cliches. I sometimes hate cliches, but some, most of them are actually true. One of the most famous cliches being an armed society is a polite society. So when we take it back to Buffalo, a lot of black folks in Buffalo, when we say, well, why, why why, would that guy pick that place? He told you, I'm going to go shoot the place that has a bunch of black people and none of those black people have the means to defend themselves because the laws don't allow them to be law-abiding citizens. And because most people, listen, man, it's, it's maybe a thousand guys in Chicago doing the wrong. The average hardworking American in Chicago is damn near being hamstringed by the state, And by that criminal, because they can't lawfully have the firearm the same way to protect themselves. But yet and still, we still think or we listen to some politicians that would say we need more of those rules. So that that Indiana, Chicago, why whoop de whoop, the places generally on the vast majority side of things, Democratic ran cities have a disrespect because white liberals are some of the most racist people you will ever will ever meet. They create policies that hamstring black people. The bad guys that also happen to be black that don't follow the rules know that you don't have the means to defend yourself and they keep doing the bad thing. Then you get a democratic guy that's uh, light on crime like Krasner in the Philadelphia, the lefty city that I live in, that's going to let these guys right back out again. So. It's the revolving cycle of Democratic policies, and it's not, and it's them blaming the firearm, but it's not the firearm. It's the policy, because if it was just the firearms, Indiana would have the same amount of violence that Chicago does, and it doesn't.
0: You know, it, it's funny. I've lived a lot of different places. I've I, I lived here in Nashville the last two years, and down here in the South, in Tennessee or whatever, people carry. And it does create a bit of a different atmosphere. I, I think people like, and again, I don't have the stats, but this is just the way I feel living down here. There's less road rage. I, I'm mm-hmm. less likely to get upset with somebody because <laughs> that dude might be caring. And so let me de-escalate and just, you know, politely honk my horn and move on. I'm not giving nobody the finger, I'm not flipping anybody, you know, I'm not cursing at anybody because you do know down No, people carry down here. I, a very good friend of mine here uh, was at, at 2 3 a.m. at a convenience store. Guy tried to shoot him and ended up getting shot himself <laughs> because it's just a different. I lived in California the ten previous years, where the gun laws are more restrictive, and and I think and again, you know, L.A. is plagued by violent crime. So I get and I used to not, I used to be an anti-second amendment person, and I, I wrote about it, talked about it for a long time. I didn't understand. I I didn't understand. What the gun actually represents, and it represents self-sufficiency and independence. Who's actually running this country, the individuals or the government? And it took me a long time to figure that out, but I've certainly figured it out.
4: the The concept is a, is a cultural concept. It's a not only do I know that there's someone with a firearm in that house in Texas, more than likely, it translates into if I'm if I'm Mister Rapey McNapey, uh, uh, I'm not prowling the streets two, three in the morning, generally trying to you know, catch women and, and rape them because there's a 60, 70% chance that she's armed. So that's one aspect of the culture, the fear factor and the preventative maintenance. The other thing is when you start to train with firearms, you start thinking about what I gotta do, where I can go, what are the rules, what are my parameters? Uh, we respect boundaries. And that, that doesn't mean you know, fear-based, That means, hey, someone has jurisdiction over this situation and other situations I have jurisdiction over. It changes the mentality of the person. You're going to be more considerate. You're going to be more thoughtful. I have to think, hmm, can I go into this place? No, because I'm going to be carrying my firearm. I got to be, I may not drink. So now there's less drinking. There's more people. It's it's a whole culture surrounded by thoughtfulness, thinking, considering. And this is the part that we stress at our classes because we want people to understand it's not about, I have a firearm, it's time to go wild, wild west. It's actually the opposite, no different than most trained fighters walk away from fights. They get the tough guy. Mike, I heard a story Mike Tyson said when he went to jail, guys was trying to, you know, they want to fight the champ. It's Mike Tyson, bro. You're not going to win. It's just it's in, in the 90s. You're not going to win. And so... The concept is very similar and we 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 try to reach people on the you know in middle of the fence that are at least open to hearing this and like you said you came down to the south and you're like man everybody's got a gun and I'm not hearing about this and again when we double back down to this buffalo situation I don't know how clearer it could be you have a young man saying I'm going to go here I'm going to pick this place because no one's going to put rounds back at me. And I think we gotta really sit back and evaluate that from a good guy to bad guy perspective, as well as a cultural perspective that makes a general public not even be not, not even as uh, uh, firearms related, but just, man, maybe that guy's had a rough day. And even if he's not gonna shoot me, uh, he may stab me, he may fight, or I need to think about the things that I'm doing before I do them. And uh, again, a more thoughtful uh, populace is actually what we need right now, as opposed to just these snap reactions, so it's a holistic approach at our classes at Black Guns Matter. <clears throat> Maj, the
2: uh, Supreme Court heard a, uh, a case in a New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus the Bruin case, and this was in November that decision is, is expected here this summer. Uh, for the yeah. audience, it is it, you have to have proper cause, basically, they get to decide if you deserve your concealed carry and such. And it seems as though they're going to rule in the favor of the citizens that you, that is part of your Second Amendment law. My question is, do you think we're actually, thanks to a conservative Supreme Court now, moving to a direction where the gun laws are actually going to start coming into our favor and people will be more protected?
4: Yes, and I think that it's also going to create a space where you're gonna get more of a rift. And when I say rift, it's not gonna be rift like anti-gun people attacking gun people cause they don't have any guns. So they lose that battle for off top. Um, but on top of that, there'll be more of a rift. And I, this is the part of the rift that I actually would like to see. If you believe that, you know, the right to keep and bear arms shouldn't be a thing and you want to move to a state or a city that is more reflective of that, I want you to. I don't think you will. I think that clearly Texas, Florida, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, those places that by and large have lower violent crime, I think that they'll say that similar to when they said if Trump is elected president, they're going to move to Canada. I think they'll say it. And I think that if there is the split, I think there will be people that even if they hold firm to it and say, I'm moving to New York City, I'm moving to California, some of those people, some of those Americans are objective they think one thing now but then they'll go to that place and they'll go nah this is this is crazy and then they'll move somewhere else and go no this is clearly better this is clearly better i think that what happens now is because we're so intermingled right and that's a good thing Uh, again freedom of association and movement but because we're so intermingled you have spaces in certain places the people that are saying these things don't actually see what Skid Row looks like right now. They don't see what Seattle, Washington actually looks like right now. So I think when the government starts saying, or the Supreme Court starts saying, no, nah, we're going to go do this, and this is the individual, it's already been uh, enumerated in the supreme law of the land, which is the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, states will fall in line. And some of those states, Um, We'll have cities. Again, Philadelphia is trying it very much. We want to create our own rules, even though our state constitution is very clear. Article one, section 21 says the right of the people, the people to keep and bear arms shall not be questioned. You can't even question me about it. That's in our state constitution. So Philadelphia will try to do that. And I do think we will see some people that mean the best. They've had trauma. They're scared of guns. They got low testosterone, whatever it is. Whatever it is, some of those people will go, nah, they'll be objective enough to go, nah, I thought one thing. And, and it's not a diss to them. It's just there's you don't know what you don't know. And so I think that the the Supreme Court will um, go that direction. Um, but at, lastly, the, the Supreme Court does not determine whether I'm going to have a firearm or not. I'm in Buffalo, New York right now. There, I do not have a license to carry in New York. I have a gun with me in New York right now. They don't determine what I'm going to do. I'm not afraid. I got a bunch of lawyers. We got a bunch of time. If I get arrested, I got bail money. We will take this all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Americans need to be on that. If you do not want a firearm, I respect your ability to not want one. I won't force you to make to get one. All we ask is when these decisions fall in our favor, know that we are taking that with an asterisk because we don't believe that that comes from government and that's the foundation of this nation, right? But on top of that, we'll be respectful of your individual choices. If you want some help later on, if and when you live in that leftist city and you get robbed, we're here to help you. We're Americans, we're gonna help you, even if right now you're stupid. We respect your ability to be as stupid as you want right now, and we're gonna ask for you to respect us the same way in our emotional intelligence.
0: Maz, thank you so much. I I think one of the things that you're basically explaining is that there's a responsibility that goes along with owning a gun, and it puts you in a mindset of being responsible. And so when I was listening to you talk earlier about uh, like, hey, this is how I think because I have a gun. Hey, I better not drink too much. I better be careful here. It's like having a kid and knowing, mm-hmm. you know what, I got to be home at such and such. I got to feed my kid. I got to make sure he does his homework, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, what you're talking about is the left denying black people and people responsibility and getting into a responsible mindset and thinking and acting responsibly. They want to take all the responsibility away from you. No, we're gonna be responsible for you. That's no way to live. You can never be the best you. Maj, thank you so much for the time. Would love to have you back on anytime. Appreciate you uh, today. All right, go to youtube.com you. slash Jason Whitlock. Hit the notifications, hit subscribe. Uh, Troy McSwain, my tailor, my longtime friend, He's going to be here next help to do an approval rating on yours truly.
1: All right. All
0: right, welcome back. Time for our approval rating segment and I got a special guest in from uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Troy McSwain. Troy, uh, welcome to Fearless. Well, thank you for having me, Uh, Jason. Troy, Troy, the approval segment is on me today. Troy has been my tailor for 20-some-odd years. We met years ago through Derek Thomas, the Chiefs all-time great linebacker. Troy used to make clothes for Derek Thomas, but Troy's made clothes for everybody, from Mike Tyson to Johnny Cochran to Jason Whitlock to... Who, you know, Names people right, I can't. Yeah, Col- yeah, yeah, Kobe. any and everybody. Uh, and so Troy, I had Troy come to town because you guys know I've been on this weight loss journey and none of my clothes fit me anymore. Everything's too big for me. And so, and I think I've shown some pictures, I believe on Instagram and on Twitter, showing my weight loss transformation and I need new clothes. Yes,
5: yes, so, so but I'm glad to be here. But you should have had me on the show earlier. I could have talked about the gun control, especially in California. I've been robbed at gunpoint. I got my CCW. I know how hard it was. I couldn't CCW, get a, C- what's a concealed that? weapon permit. Oh, okay. So I couldn't get one in Los Angeles. When I moved to the suburbs, the San Bernardino County gave me one. Oh, so now, that's... but I can carry anywhere in California, so I'm I'm happy.
0: I feel safe. That that sounds similar to what Miles was talking that's about what in certain. When
5: when I was watching from backstage, yeah. I was sitting there like, wow, I should have been out there, to give my two cent worth in, because I went through it. You know. Yeah. It's so... a, it's a rough situation living in, in the wild wild west.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, and and I lived out there for ten years. My. my My
5: part of the wild wild west wasn't that wild though. Well, that's because back then you was Hollywood Vegas
0: Jason. (laughs) (laughs) I did live downtown though. I lived I lived right downtown for you know two or three years. Uh, But anyway, uh, we're doing an approval rating on me, uh, and I thought Troy would be the perfect person to do it because Troy, you got to make me some new clothes. Oh yeah. Uh, But the the issue is I'm not done yet. I'm still I got. I'm going to drop about 50 more.
5: Right. Well, that's why we just make a couple outfits just so you're dressed right cuz dude, uh, your your uh, performance rating as far as the way you look, you're very sloppy from the you can't rep- you're not representing your boy right. You know, wearing these oversized clothes. Just well, not doing it right.
0: Well, uh we'll, we'll we'll put some work in on that. But anyway, let's get to the approval. we're doing an approval rating on me. Uh, Troy's gonna be the uh, expert here right. uh, on my approval rating. Uh, so uh, job performance, uh, Troy, I hope uh, Well, you know, you've got no... Comp- look, I go first, Troy, But right, my show. <laughs> <laughs> but job performance, I, I'm, a, I, I'm not gonna give myself a perfect score oh, because no, I always yeah. got a little, a little work out there, but you know everything's on a scale of zero to 25, so I'll give myself a 24. I'm uh-huh. about as close to perfection as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say it with a straight face. I did. <laughs> you laughed. You chuckled
5: at the end of that 24. I laughed because you were going to laugh. I give ahead. you. I give you a 20, and I give you a 20 because, and the reason why I wouldn't give you a 24 because your show is very one-sided. If Jason doesn't believe in it, Jason ain't talking about
0: it. <laughs> well, it's not called Fearless with Troy McSwain. <laughs> no, but people still. are here to hear my point of view, Troy. Right, but but I
5: end up. Defending. One thing I got to say is, my friends, whenever I mention that you're my friend, the first thing they say is, I hate his ass. <laughs> and I'm like, why? I said, that's my boy. What, what? And I'm always defending you. And it's because you're very one-sided. You don't really have your, you never say the other side of the matter. Like, you, I, I sit sat here and listened to you just dog biting all day today. But...
0: To and me, there's another side to it. He's doing a good job. No, I'm just saying, keep I, talking. Christian, I, I want you to do me a favor, though. Come on set, C- Christian. Come on, set. keep talking. Troy, okay. I want you to grab. Uh, there's a, I want you to come up, Christian. Here, you know, you, I need you to grab that Bible because I, I want, <laughs> I want, I uh, want Troy. All I'm saying You're is saying that i won To me,
5: Trump. Yeah. Let me. Nor so. Me, are you let okay? Let me ask that. you a question. Are you thinking that that Trump would? Trump was financially better. He was a businessman. He ran the country better, but and I agree with what you were saying about Biden. But you just totally bashed
0: him. Well, again, Trump isn't the president right now. So when I talk about Joe Biden, I don't have to talk about Trump. Trump's not president. Right. I'm just giving my thoughts on Joe Biden, but. Everybody that says that I'm one-sided, again, my one side is founded in this. Okay. And so my whole world view, basically, and again, and Troy, you know me better than probably anybody that's been on this show, is like, I have not always lived up to these standards. Oh, no you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're lucky, your
5: hand don't catch on fire protection it right now.
0: <laughs> I have always lived up to these standards, but. This is in control of my worldview. Even
5: Las Vegas, Jason Whitlock. Yeah, see, that's Jason Whitlock 1.0. Jason Whitlock 2.0 is different. So, but yes. it's all the same
0: worldview. Even when I was out in the streets, I had this worldview. Okay. Look, just because, <laughs> just because my actions didn't always uh, show that. Doesn't mean that that's not what I was thinking. Anyway, okay. let, let, let's- let we'll, see, I'm gonna have to keep defending my voice. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll still, I, I got your back, Jason. I'll always defend you. And so what I'm telling you is all them people say, I hate Jason Willock. Like, what they're basically saying is I hate his worldview. And my worldview is biblically driven. Right. So think about who you really hate. It ain't me. It's my worldview. But right. anyway, uh, let's move to character. Character, Uh, and I'm I'm not gonna give myself close to a perfect score here in character because again I know the full me and (laughs) I definitely know the the Kansas City LA version of Jason Whitlock Uh, so I'm gonna give myself a 17 in character I gave you a little bit better I gave you an 18 in character because and the reason why I gave you
5: 18 is because of your mama the way you was raised you were actually there was a good, and see, I don't think it's just the Bible. I think it was the way you were raised with your mother and your father, because I don't think we've ever had a conversation where you didn't mention your mom. Me and you didn't talk about your mom, and the the things that she instilled in you as a younger, as a kid. And that's where I think think I have to take the good. I have to look when I look at character. I have to look at the good Jason and the bad Jason. You know, the good Jason is 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 all your mother's doing. She molded that that guy to a great person. But then there's the Jason, the bad Jason, I call him Jason, Jason the Bad Jason. He would, we would you would go to Vegas for two days, like five out there on Friday, I'm gonna be back on Sunday. A week later, you'd still be
0: in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm gonna tell you what you're talking about. Th- that is my mother and grandmother is 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 one side of me. And then my father's the other side of me. My father's right. a very good person, but my father was Love women, love gambling, so does my mother. (laughs)
5: Right, that's why I said, the good Uh, with the bad.
0: Yeah, but they did raise me with some good value, so I appreciate the But the other
5: thing with character that really spoke volumes to me was when you left that seven-figure income in California to come out here and be your own boss and not work for somebody anymore. That, no, the average person wouldn't have did that. So to me, that's why I probably raised you a little higher in character because you really showed the true you, the essence of you. Hmm.
0: Uh, authenticity, which I think that kind of speaks to as well. I'm, I definitely I'm about it, about it, as Master P would say. Uh, so I'm giving myself a perfect uh, score in authenticity. No, I, I, I think I represent myself. I didn't give you perfect. You, I give you, But I, I
5: scored you the highest. That, that got you my highest rating. I gave you a 23. And that's because you speak what's on your mind, you know, I just wish sometimes when I'm talking to you, I had, I watched TV or was in the news more than you do. You're 24 7 news, so I can't sit there and have the discussions I want to have with you about topics and politics and this and that.
0: Let me tell you all you need, Troy,
5: is the Bible. Is this. Yeah.
0: If you had this, you wouldn't need to watch TV. Okay. To, to handle it, I tell people this all the time a Bible, of biblical knowledge will add 50 points to your IQ. Seriously, I I know trust, me, and I got friends. I'm not gonna reference. I'm like, book sense zero, biblical sense off the charts. Some of the smartest people I know. And they can, and when you start talking about different things, they can... oh yeah, because it's all covered. Right. There, there, there's as my mother says, ain't nothing new but the doers. And so it's all been covered. Everything we're seeing today has already been covered. Uh, it factor. <laughs> I don't know if it gets any better than me, uh, but I can't get myself a perfect score for the 24. <laughs> Are you seriously going to sit there and say 24? Are you the if I
5: give you a three. <laughs> a three. Oh, a you three. gave me a two earlier, but now yeah. you're, you're up to a three. I'm up to a three now. Yeah, Because your clothes don't fit right. Yes, I'm here now, but after two years, you should have gotten some clothes since now, but I'm going a, I'm to a get you look If I had gotten together. clothes two years ago, they wouldn't fit yeah. now. Right, but. See now you—it's the new, the new Jason. So now you're, you're to me you're looking at yourself, saying you're loving. Actually, you're a healthier, Jason, and you love yourself more. And that might, and that's. Probably, I don't know if I can love myself more, but. No, you love yourself more, meaning you're you're more in tune with your with yourself, your body, your spirit, and so. And that whereas before you were Hollywood Vegas, Jason. So you use money, like in relationships money, and what you could do for somebody was part of, part of your throat in, in, in having a good relationship. And you didn't trust anybody. So, you know, you, and you fall for a woman really fast. <laughs> so That ain't and, true, but I hear you. Yes, you would. You would fall really fast. And you would be all in, but you, but you never did trust her. So, you know, that's what made, made maybe, you know, that's what, why you, your it factor was all financial. It's, it seemed to be more financial, a financial thing for somebody, as opposed
0: to a spiritual thing, but I think the
5: new Jason 2.0 is more spiritual. Man,
0: y- y- you're really devaluing my mouthpiece <laughs> and my writing ability. You're really devaluing that. Yeah, but in a relationship, for being the it piece, the
5: it piece is not your writing ability. To be the it factor is how you look. It's the it's the it's the drip. It's the swag that you have. Is this and that. You do have swag, but um, you're, you're only a third Jason.
0: You done came all the way out here to trash talk me like this on my own I'm, show? I'm being honest. A true <sighs> friend will be honest. Play tomorrow so I can get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I've got myself at 90 and blazing hot. Uh, Troy, who will never be back on the show, has <laughs> me at 63 or 64, it's a garden for yeah. Grease fire. Uh, Troy? You're still my boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, tomorrow still loves me, so. That's all that matters. All right, we'll see you tomorrow.
3: No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been on a breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all deceiving. We all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want. I wanna be, I just want I wanna be, I just want